Hello and welcome. I'm Sean Yeager, and this is Penny Lane, a show about the business, economics, and technology of music streaming presented by TrueStream. Along with Matt Squire, we're your hosts. To learn more about Penny Lane and past episodes, visit us at truestream.co slash podcast. That's T-R-U-S-T-R-E-A-M dot C-O slash podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Penny Lane. It is January 22nd, 2019. I am Sean Yeager. With me is Matt Squire, my co-host. Hello. Today, we are delighted to have joining us Eric Mendelson, who is founder of formerly Recordgram, now creator in Tune Token. Uh, Brief bio on Eric. He got his start in the music business working in promotions for Electra Records, continued to hone those skills in marketing and promotions for Jive Records, and then notably went on to serve as Senior Vice President of marketing and promotion at Digiwax Media. While at Digiwax, Eric drove national marketing campaigns and partnerships with clients including Sony BMG, Singular Wireless, Sony Ericsson, Puma, Columbia Records, and perhaps my favorite, the Microsoft Zune. May it rest in peace. Eric did what he could. Uh, in uh, parallel, Eric has operated his own artist management agency, Answer Man Management, for the past 12 years. He's worked with a ton of great artists. And in early 2016, along with his co-founders, Eric founded Recordgram, which gave rise to the Creator app and Tune and its Tune token cryptocurrency, which we'll be talking more about. Creator, uh, among other things, were the 2017 TechCrunch Disrupt Cup Award winners and a featured company on Apple Music's original series, Planet of the Apps. Welcome to Penny Lane, Eric. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I hope if I win like an MTV award, they give me that kind of introduction when I go up there because that was fantastic. <laughs> Outstanding. Well, I'll be sure to keep the, keep the notes and pass it on to you. So for our listeners who are not familiar, could you give us a little bit about the origin story, Eric, uh, for Recordgram Creator, uh, Tune? There's a lot going on there. Kind of kind of give us a give us an understanding of, of what gave rise to it. What was the itch that you were looking to scratch along with your co-founders and and uh, what we what we have today as a result. Yeah. Um, well, uh, thank you. Uh, you know, ba- based on the bio you just gave, um, you know, I- I've been in the music industry my entire life. It's all I've ever known since I was 18 years old. Um, and I-, I actually interned for, you know, throughout college for four years at various record labels and, and radio stations. Um, and what I noticed at a very early age is that a lot of music executives and people in the music industry um, are one dimensional. And they don't think outside of the box, typically. And if they say what they're good at, it's usually like one thing in the music. I'm good at music marketing or or radio promotion. Um, And I never wanted to be that type of person because I felt like I had a skill set that extended beyond what I was tasked with doing um, as as an employee of, of a record company. And certainly entrepreneurship allows me to get into these different aspects that you just mentioned. Um, and even though I do have my hands in a lot of different things, um, they're all very synergistic uh, and work with each other um, in a complementary fashion. Uh, w- with that being said, I, I discovered and signed my first artist in uh, 2006 to, to Capitol Records. Uh, his name is, is Mims. Sean Mims is his legal name. And uh, we had a lot of success. We had the number one record in the world, generated over $18 million for Capitol Records, um, and everything was great um, until we had to get our royalty check with Capitol. Yeah. At the time, we had a 50-50 net profit deal with labels. Um, And for those that are unfamiliar, that's that's really uh, it's a rarity. Um, It's very unique to get any sort of net profit situation with a record label, especially in 2007. Um, Typically, as you guys are are probably both aware, record label deals are structured from a royalty perspective um, where an artist gets a percentage, usually anywhere between 10 to 15 percent of a royalty rate. Uh, on the sale of an album or or a digital single, we worked it out with them um, because we were able to generate enough hype and enough buzz in Mims' career before getting him a deal, um, strategically, by the way. We were able to kind of tell the label what what kind of deal we were looking for because we had a lot of labels who wanted to give us a deal. And the deal that we worked out for his first two albums was a net profit 50-50 split, which means after the record company um, paid us, uh, after the record company spent the money to market the album, and after we paid that back or recouped that money back from paying for the album, we would the marketing and the production of the album, we would split the profits 
on the record on the on the deal 50-50 with our label distributor which was Capital um EMI Records at the time. But like I said the album and single generated probably over 18 million dollars. Um one would think that you know maybe I don't know 3 3 to 4 million dollars of that went for fees beyond our control, you know, ringtone fees and, and other distribution fees at the time. Um so you would think that the label would have been left with let's say on a low end 10 million dollars. Um, and maybe there was a couple million dollars in a marketing budget to pay back for the actual promotion and marketing of the album, leaving the label again with maybe $8 million net. These are low numbers. So based on our deal with the label, we should have got $4 million of that $8 million. Uh, actually, we should have got more, but let's say $4 million. They gave us a check for less than $100,000 at the time. And I, um, spending my, my, my own money, Investing in an artist's career, you know, with, with great risk is supposed to come great reward, right? I mean, that's, that's the entrepreneurial mindset. That's why we all do things from an entrepreneurial perspective. And certainly using your own money, uh, your own savings, depleting your savings account to fund an artist's career, which the success of, of, of an artist getting signed to a major label and even selling one record, I mean, you have the same success of getting a traditional equity investment or an exit in, in, in the entrepreneurial tech space, right? So it's actually much greater uh, in, in the music space of getting a record deal. So me and my co-founders or, or partners at the time were taking a really, really, really big risk. And when that risk paid off, we were expecting that reward um, to come with that risk. And it didn't happen. Um, and it really soured my taste for the music industry, which I was in for my whole life and still am. It soured Mims's taste to actually record new music. I mean, it, it killed his creativity because he felt, um, for lack of a better term, he felt like he was a, a working slave to the music industry. Uh, and, and he'll say this, he says it publicly. Um, and, and we were just like, man, this, this isn't what, this isn't what we were working for. I come from the, I came from the label side and work with artists who were always cursing off their labels and, and me being an, uh, an honest employee of a label and a passionate guy. I was like, man, you guys are wrong. The label's not ripping you off. The label's not ripping you off, but I wasn't privy to what was really happening. And I had artists like Buster Rhymes who were like, no, Eric, you don't know what you're talking about. They're ripping me off. And then I didn't really get to see like Busta's point of view or other artists' point of view until many, many years later when I was on the opposite side and I was in their shoes with my own artist that I had just funded. And, um, you know, after, after, you know, we spent eight or nine years in litigation with the labels and a couple years into the litigation with, with, with EMI, Mim said to me, man, we need to get into this tech space because, you know, we, we, we have to figure out ways to solve. There's a point to where I'm going here. <laughs> we need to figure out... We need to, but this is a really deep story that I haven't really told. Um, I don't think this I appreciate it before. Um, uh, and, and it's the real story. <laughs> It'll be a documentary eventually. Um, we, we, we want, he, he was like, we really need to find solutions for the music industry because if, the, if, the, if this is what labels are doing to artists, then there's going to be a lot of unhappy artists in the future. Um, hence a segue into the sh what, where we are in, in streaming right now, which we can get into. And, and, he was, and he was like, let's try to figure out, let's try to figure out some problems to the solutions that we were facing. This is seven or eight years ago. I'm a kid. I, I was essentially a kid at the time. Not really, but fresh out of a couple years out of college. And, and, um, I didn't have a clue about technology. Quite honestly, it scared the hell out of me. I was, I was using Blackberries for many years when my friends were on iPhones um, you mentioned this. You mentioned the Zune player. I was using the Zune when kids were using iPods. Love the Zune player. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm like so late. On, well, I'm not anymore. But at, back then, I was so late on technology, and I was like, let me let all my friends make the mistakes in buying these products that will never work out, and then I'll figure out which ones I want to use. And even when they found products that would work out, um, I was still late on using it because I was just so accustomed to my to my way of doing things. Which, by the way, is, is, is one of the issues with the music industry. They're so accustomed to doing things the way that they've been doing for 20 or 30 years that they're slow to adapt. And I started to realize I was becoming that. And I was like, I don't want to become that. I don't want to become one of them. I got to think differently. Um, uh, so, so that's my long way of saying uh, the answer to your question is that when we were going on the road and doing shows, uh, performing all over the world, there were kids that would come up to Mims when he was performing or afterward or, or my other co-founder, Blackout, who's a Grammy Award-winning producer and DJ, um, and would say, hey, I want to get into the studio with you, Blackout. And Blackout would say, hey, I have, you know, it's $10,000 to come work with me in the studio. 
or hey Mims, I want you to feature on my song. And Mims is like, that's fifteen, twenty thousand dollars. And these kids will be like, man, I got five hundred dollars in my pocket. And Mims and Blackout will be like, well, we're not going to spend our time going into the studio with you. We're traveling the world. We have other clients that are paying us more money. And then, and then Mims said to me one day, he woke up. Uh, if, if anyone manages an artist out there, they know that their artist usually calls them every other day with some crazy idea. <laughs> and and, and as, as a manager and as a business person, I've, it's, it's like every other day I'm saying, Mims, no, that's, I don't like that idea, or that's not going to work, or that's not going to work. But he came to me with this idea, um, Recordgram, which is now called Creator App. And he said, let's create a mobile recording studio so that artists, uh, all over the world that want to work with guys like myself and Blackout can collaborate with us on the phone in a more uh, economical, democratized, he didn't use the word democratized, I am, in a more democratized process um, than, than it is right now so that those kids who only have $500 or $5 or $10, we can go work with them and take their money but not have to spend the time going into the studio with them. Um, and we set out to build that product um, I guess around around three years ago. Um, so that that's kind of where the idea for Creator App uh, slash Recordgram Recordgram came about. Terrific. And then so the so the elevator pitch to uh, an established or an aspirate an, an aspiring artist for Creator App is is what Eric? So mobile recording studio in your pocket that lets you collaborate and create original songs for under five dollars, all from the palm of your hand with globally recognized producers that you would not otherwise have access to. Fantastic. Sounds, sounds good to me. That was, that was a shorter answer that, right? No, no, it's great. It's great. <laughs> and then, so, you know, if, if we look at that and, and the adoption and, 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 and rather what that's empowered, you know, as you say, an up and coming artist to do, to access uh, beats, to access talent, to access producers that they wouldn't otherwise have access to, Give us a sense then, Eric, of, of how cryptocurrency and blockchain uh, and Tune Token factored in. What, what was the next sort of evolution where you said it makes sense to add to the mix cryptocurrency, blockchain, and, and that entire space? And, and actually, here again, I'm going to put you on the spot for listeners who may not be as deep into this technology as you are. Mm-hmm. Um, could you give us a primer? On, on crypto and blockchain and then and then dovetail into Y tune token yeah sure um, so I'll explain the three elements of what I consider the blockchain uh, business or ecosystem um, number one it's blockchain um, which for those who don't know blockchain is a software um, it's a decentralized software which means nobody owns it nobody controls it and the main theme behind um, blockchain is that it's it, like I said it's decentralized. Nobody controls it. Nobody owns it. It's like an automated spreadsheet or accounting sheet or, or state or bank statement or it, it, it's, it's, it's in the code. It's immutable. It can't be changed. Um, and, it, and it kind of itself operates itself. Um, I, I think that the earliest form of, 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 of blockchain or, or decentralized technology, for those that are aware, is something like, believe it or not, is like pirate technology or P2P file sharing technology. So when you think of things like Napster or LimeWire. BitTorrent. Um, today, yeah. today it's BitTorrent. It's BitTorrent technology, but um, the, the illegal form of that is, is Pirate Bay, where, you, where you're basically getting pieces and bits of songs or, um, or movies on your computer streaming so you can watch the file, but that entire file is not stored on a server or it's not stored on somebody's hard drive. Um, that's essentially what, what blockchain is, and we, we, it, can, it can get way more complex than that. Sure, sure. Um, what, what really drives blockchain or the currency, it's called internet money or internet currency, is cryptocurrency. Um, oh, let me digress. There are many different blockchains. Um, the most popular blockchain is the Bitcoin blockchain. The other, another popular uh, blockchain is the Ethereum blockchain, um, Tron blockchain, Litecoin blockchain, et cetera, et cetera. I, I don't even know how many blockchains there are, but there's quite a few. Um, and what powers these blockchains, uh, for example, the Bitcoin blockchain is Bitcoin. What powers the Ethereum blockchain is their cryptocurrency, which is called Ether. And this cryptocurrency is what's used to compensate people during the process, during the computing process of the transaction that occurs within the blockchain. It's, it's internet money. It's digital money. Uh, again, no one owns it. No one controls it. Um, there's, no, there's no banker you can call to say, I lost my Ethereum. 
Um, it's stored in a digital wallet and it's actually anonymous. The transactions are public, meaning if I send Bitcoin to you or you send Bitcoin to me, it's public. But what the only thing that's public about that transaction is this 16 or 17 digit code that represents Sean uh, and the 16 or 17 digital code that represents me. But my name isn't public and your name isn't public. So people see the Bitcoin or Ethereum moving back and forth between parties of a transaction, but they don't necessarily know who transacts um, in that transaction. Um, trying not to trying to make a very kind of confusing process uh, uh, simplified in, during this. Um, yeah, uh, and, and it is it, it is heady stuff for sure. Right, exactly, super heavy. Um, an ICO um, is is also known as an initial coin offering, uh, initial um, token generation event. Um, what an ICO is, there are companies out there, and, and we're one of them, or businesses out there, or apps out there that create their own currency on top of the blockchain. And this, this currency or this token is supposed to be used within the economics of that business. Um, I believe that is actually the biggest opportunity for the music industry is that you're going to be seeing a lot of businesses or a lot of ecosystems and platforms out there that are going to be creating their own token um, that will be utilized within that ecosystem to compensate those that help grow the platform. So we give our information to Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, regardless of how you feel about those platforms, I believe these are great platforms, and we, we get to use them for free, which is great, until you realize that you're actually giving them access to a lot of your personal data. And, <laughs> and every day we're basically growing their data pool, and they're then taking that data and selling it to advertisers and brands and making billions of dollars off of it. So yes, they're, giving us, yes, they're giving us a free service, but there is an exchange of value, and that exchange of value is our time and is our data. With these blockchain and these, what these and what ICOs are creating is they're saying, if you're going to help grow our platform, if you're going to help make us as big as Facebook or as big as SoundCloud or Spotify, uh, even though we're going to be taking your data with your permission, we're going to be rewarding you for that grant of access to that data. Um, and I think that this has a lot of implications for that extend uh, and transgress beyond the, beyond just the typical music industry. Absolutely, and I, and I think you know the just one one other way to sort of slice it for for listeners is. Cryptocurrency, the monetary component, blockchain, the underlying uh, infrastructure, if you will, you know, you'll typically see three to four attributes called out. And I think for those in the music business, uh, this resonates. And, and as you said, Eric, it goes far beyond. But the first is that it's trustless. Uh, I don't need to trust you, Eric, in order to uh, conduct a transaction with you, right? So, so the the trust element is removed as a as a uh, precursor to needing to conduct the transaction. It's so-called immutable, which simply means that it cannot be undone. There is no uh, fudging the transactions, the ledger, if you will, uh, once written to the blockchain, it is written to the blockchain period. Uh, it's decentralized, right? Which means that uh, no political corporate or other entity can take control. And then the fourth is that there is an economic incentive built in, right? So in doing work, quote, on the blockchain, whether it is uh, creating uh, a content, a, a musical work, uh, or it is, uh, in other words, you know, just contributing somehow to that ecosystem, that economic incentive in these various coins or cryptocurrencies is baked in. So, you know, in many ways, people will say it's fairly utopian, but um, uh, a lot of smart people and a lot of smart money uh, are banking on it uh, being really the next sort of evolution of the internet. And so, so with that, Eric, you know, Tune and Tune Token, uh, what what job does it do for your users, your artists that are uh, participating in Creator and beyond? Well, yeah, great question. So, um, as I as I mentioned with my Mims Capital um, experience, uh, record labels have historically ripped off artists. Uh, myself and Mims certainly weren't weren't the first um, that the record labels uh, had ripped off. Um, furthermore. Uh, the music industry has lacked transparency since the beginning of time. Um, there, it, it, I mean, I can't say it's the most, uh, the least transparent industry that I'm aware of. Well, it's probably the least transparent industry that I'm aware of, uh, probably beyond our government, not to get all political. That, again, this is what I'm aware of. I'm sure there's other industries out there that would argue against me and say that theirs is the least transparent. Um, uh, uh, then that would be a, probably a good use case for blockchain. Um, and and, and, um, and there's no central database of rights. 
So in America, there's four performing rights associations, uh, ASCAP, BMI, CSAC, and, and GMR. Um, globally, I don't know, there's maybe 80 to 100, probably not that many, but there, there's a lot of performing rights societies. And what, what we notice is that those performing rights societies don't communicate with one another. They don't, they don't really share data within, within their systems. So if I'm a brand, and we got to think about uh, blockchain is an international um, uh, software, right? And, and, we, and, and, and the music industry is an international industry. It's not just America. Uh, and actually what we see is, is that other, other countries uh, are, are where the biggest opportunities for um, music expansion is actually now, now happening. And, and the biggest um, opportunities for creators to make money is actually going to be in, in international markets in the future. Um, I, I, I digress. There's no, there's no conversation. There's no uh, central database of rights. So if I'm a brand, an international brand like Pepsi or Coke, and I want to license a song, um, the, the barriers to licensing a song when there's multiple songwriters and multiple owners behind that song is extremely complex. And the truth is, is that only companies as big as Walmart or Coke or Pepsi have the staff and the resources and really the money to extend to go license those creations and find out who owns it. How much they want? It's it's a it's a mess. It's a it's a it's a it, most companies want to license new content fairly quickly, um, but companies like Coke and Pepsi and Walmart have spent sometimes six months to a year in advance um, working out their strategies because they know how long it takes to license content. That's a effed up process, uh, uh, um, and and I believe it costs the music industry tens of millions of dollars a year. That's a guess. It could be more than that. It's certainly not less than that. Um, and, and when we were taking a look at Creator App, which is for uh, the inception of a, where original music creations happen, we were like, um, I mean, first of all, it took a big education process. Um, as I mentioned, I, I, I'm usually the last on, on technology. And what happened was, is we won a lot of awards with Creator App. We won TechCrunch Disrupt in 2017, which is uh, one of the biggest awards for any, I think the biggest award for any startup technology Absolutely. Um, in the planet. That's my own humble, not really humble, <laughs> my own opinion. Um, we received uh, equity investment after five years of, of, of knocking down doors and talking you know, to 50 different investors. We were able to land investment and a lot of good things started to happen to us. And one of my, my early investors um, in, in, my, in my seed round said, have you guys considered accepting cryptocurrency? This was about a year ago to the date, actually. I would say last March. And I was like, man, this is like Chinese to me. And then oh, oh, I was like, I just got my round. I don't have time to focus on this new tech. I don't even know what you're talking about. It was like just the same thing with the iPhone. Like, I'm going to wait a few years to see if the iPhone thing works <laughs> right. out. And then, but then two days later, another um, prominent music industry. So I was, an investor asked me about it. A couple days later, a, mu a prominent music industry executive said, have you guys thought about cryptocurrency? So I was like, all right, this is all happening within a week span. And then a another week later, a friend of mine from Dubai, from a very prominent family in Dubai, called me and explained to me the entire ICO process um, in, a very, uh, in a more extended version of what I just gave you guys. And, I, and, I, and I, he goes, you know, spend, a, spend a, a week reading about this stuff. And again, Chinese to me. But I spent 24 hours reading about it, and for two weeks, no one heard of me. I was literally in my closet because I was so because I was so blown away by the technology. You went down the rabbit hole. Yeah, and once you go down that rabbit hole, it's hard hard to stick your head back up. Right. And then, um, and I was like, man, this is what Mims had envisioned eight years ago when he spoke to me about technology that could potentially solve not all the problems in the music industry. And if you talk to some blockchain enthusiasts, they'll say it's going to solve all the problems in the world, far right, from right. it. But I think that it could make some of the processes um, a lot easier for multiple, uh, for a lot of industries. And let so, me ask you that. Let me ask you this, yeah. uh, uh, Eric, because I, I think you touched on a very important point, which is, and in fact, um, I'll make a note of this in the show notes, is you recently on Medium published a, uh, a rundown of, I think, a dozen plus. And I joked with you that I've got this uh, Google Docs, you know, draft <laughs> and, and uh, power, power to those who publish because mine was sitting in the drafts folder and, and, you know, you got a great piece out that runs down a lot of these various music-related blockchain projects. So my question is this. Um, as you say, I think when you read about the power of blockchain and cryptocurrency and, and what it represents in stark 
contrast to uh, our current financial system, our, per, our current political systems, our current sort of uh, social infrastructure, it, it, it can, depending on one's viewpoint, be really heady stuff because it promises to undo a lot of corruption and, and, and power imbalance and all these things. And we won't go down that path. But my point is mm-hmm. where between that, that, that nirvana and the realities of the music business today, do you think are the primary opportunities to drive change? What are the real sweet spots where, you know, we're not out there in fantasy and we're not, you know, looking at 10, 15 years ago, but, but uh, where are those real uh, significant opportunities to, to make change over the next few years, applying cryptocurrency and blockchain? Num- number one is transparency. Right. So with uh, with there's a big metadata issue in the music business where it's estimated that there's two point five billion dollars of uncollected royalty. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. That means that there's artists and creators out there where there's two point five billion dollars that the labels and the publishers have said that they have, but they don't know who to pay. Um, And and that's and I can't necessarily even really blame that on the labels and the publishers, uh, believe it or not. It's I, I mean kind of their problem but yeah I mean, systemic it, yeah exactly or they don't they don't have an incentive to to fix it well, that, that, well that that would that, you agree with that, that well that i do blame on the labels and the publishers you're, you're spot on um because from, from a business perspective hey mr xyz i have two billion dollars of well actually not mr xyz hey music industry there's 2.5 billion dollars out there help us fix the problem but while we can't fix the problem we're going to collect interest on that money and not have to pay out interest to anybody. So yeah, the music industry makes money by holding it. And the music industry is called the black box royalties. Um, I can I can get really in depth out of how that's all chopped up, but um, between the between the music publishers and stuff. But um, yes, they, there's really no incentive for them to pay it out. They're not even denying that they don't have it. They, they they're saying we have it, um, but we don't know who to pay it out. And they're not really coming up with a solution to that problem. And, and quite honestly, that that problem is never going to go away. You don't just find out who you owe 2.5 billion dollars to overnight mm-hmm. i mean this a this is this is this is going to last well beyond my lifetime but that's part of the problem that we're trying to solve for the future music creation so you know it kind of touched on several of the questions you asked me earlier sean which is mm-hmm. how does that like all work into creator app well if if we're a mobile recording studio where original creations are happening at the inception point we can attach and i don't want to get too deep here but we can attach a smart contract to it through the ethereum blockchain which says that the three of us on this on, on, during this interview right now create a song on Creator App that we'll know who owns the rights of that song. So whenever that song goes out there and generates money, we can automatically get our royalties paid to us through this smart contract, through this transparent blockchain. So number one, transparency um, is the, the biggest issue that I think that blockchain can help solve. Um, number two, as it pertains to the music industry, and it goes along with transparency, knowing who owns the rights of the song, helping to solve up some of that metadata issue, metadata issues, right. at least at least for future music creations, um, that I, I, can definitely be solved. If everyone creates music and, and there's smart contracts that are executed on the blockchain from music creations from this point forward, in 10 years from now, everything that was created from this point to the, for the next 10 years, everyone who knows who owns the rights of it. Um, that, that, that's 100% can happen tomorrow. And let me ask you a tough yeah. question here, which certainly I think about a lot, and, and I don't presume that there's any any simple answer i know you and you know our our friends at uh, dot blockchain and elsewhere are working mm-hmm. hard on this mm-hmm. what's your take eric on the bridge between that future that you talk about where creations from this point for example in the creator app using tune token uh you know these are original works that uh now exist kind of in their own financial ecosystem thanks to what mm-hmm. you guys have built Mm-hmm. So, so two questions: How, if at all, does blockchain get layered underneath the, the the current sort of music industry? Um, and so that's sort of part A. And part B is: Is there a point in time at which, for creator and for tune token, you then bridge back to that traditional music ecosystem for your artists? And that that's that's two sort of big different chunks, maybe we'll mm-hmm. revisit them. But, but A, you know, is, is, is there an ability to kind of backport uh, crypto and, and blockchain to the traditional music business? Or do you think it is 
are, are we stuck with sort of, okay, this point forward, but all the legacy stuff just has to stay legacy stuff? Uh, great question. Um, we're, we're, not ne- we're not right now trying to attack the legacy or catalog issue that you just addressed. Mm-hmm. There are two other great or two or three other great companies out there that are trying to do that and, and quite frankly, are, are, are becoming successful at doing so. Um, the, our, our, our sweet spot is, or our niche is for future, for future music creation. Right. Now, it. with that being said, you know, in technology, you got to continuously iterate and you got to prove the model. So what we're trying to do is because we don't need anyone's permission, I don't need any, I don't need anyone's permission to do what we're doing on creator because we're original creation. We're not dealing with licensing catalog. We're trying to fix catalog metadata, metadata issues. Once we can prove that this will work with new music creations, the technology and the software that's practically almost built, by the way, that we've already built, we can license that as a software, as a service model to music publishers um, or really the performing rights associations where, where creators um, uh, congregate or, or organizations that creators and songwriters are a part of and give them and give them the opportunity or give them this software so that their music can be um, on blockchain so that people know who owns the rights of it. Um, but, but it's like even the companies that are trying to put the, this music, this catalog music or this legacy music on blockchain, that's great, and maybe we'll know who owns the rights of it. But the truth is a real, um, what's the word, 360 um, mm-hmm. e- ecosystem of blockchain has to include digital service providers, a.k.a. streaming platforms, that are also integrated onto the blockchain. And where the majority of the revenue for the music industry is being generated right now in the traditional sense, which is actually Spotify and, uh, and Apple Music and Absolutely. Deezer, et cetera, et cetera, these companies will never go on blockchain. They really have no incentive to. Um, okay, let's let's pause there because you yep. know the the primary mandate of Penny Lane is really to 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 do what we can to look toward the the future of streaming, and so mm-hmm. you've you've dovetailed nicely into where I wanted to go, which is in all of these endeavors, like Creator, like Tune Token, and all these fantastic innovations that are happening. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, I think most artists want to be where their their audience, their fans are, and as you mm-hmm. say today, at least in the U.S., seventy five percent of that. Uh, activity and that revenue is streaming. And so is there, in your view, I'm putting a bit on the spot, is there a, is there an on-ramp or an off-ramp, as it were, from from creator to the DSPs? How, how do I, as an artist on creator, um, make that jump in, into sort of the bigger pool or, the, you know, not to not to diminish what you're doing, but, you know, mm-hmm. to, to, to get there where, where the listeners and the ears are? Oh, yeah, absolutely. A, a clear path, actually. Um, the streaming platforms, and, and I'll mention the two big ones, uh, Spotify and Apple Music, uh, and every streaming platform is create is competing um, for the same listeners. And I believe, um, and there's articles out there that you can Google, uh, Jimmy Iovine, who was the head of Apple Music until he recently left, and even his competitor Spotify all agree that the way, the only way that uh, streaming companies, not the only way, but one of the major ways that streaming companies are going to compete in the future is with their original content strategy. Right now, all of the streaming platforms license the same content from the same distributors, Universal, Warner, um, Sony. They all distribute and license the same content to the same, same streaming platforms. Now, a, a company like Claro Musica in, in Mexico is obviously focused on, 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 Spanish, on Spanish music, mm-hmm. um, uh, Latin music. In, in, in uh, Angami in the Middle East is obviously focused on pushing Middle Eastern or Arabic music out. Uh, so there's different, there's different strategies. There's different regional strategies um, for the various streaming platforms to cater to the audience. But at the end of the day, if I, that same Middle Eastern music that I hear in, here in Angami in Dubai, I can listen to that same music on Spotify if I choose to. We're right. all licensing the same stuff. They're just packing So the, the differentiation is, is, it sounds like the challenge, and certainly my observation is, the, 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 well, the, the differentiation is is what's your original content strategy? Right, right. Uh, and 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 for Creator App, if we're an original content platform, um, there's there's I think two hundred. I could be wrong on this number, but uh, one hundred fifty to two hundred million people that are using the SoundCloud platform, um, and that's really a user generated content platform. Certainly. Um, I don't know how many of them those are are, are artists, but let's say. 10% of those are, are, are artists on the platform, which would probably be a pretty fair number. So there's, there's let's say, 10 to 20 million kids that are using the sound. I don't want to call kids. 10 to 20 million <laughs> artists that are using the SoundCloud platform 
uh, and have accounts on the SoundCloud platform, those 10 to 20 million uh, users or creators are going to a traditional recording studio to create music. They're then coming back onto SoundCloud and uploading their tracks. Well, what if SoundCloud did a partnership with us or Spotify or Apple Music did a partnership with us where kids can, kids, creators can create music on Apple or on Spotify or on SoundCloud, not have to leave the platform and then upload their original creations directly to their playlist or to their account. That is, what we, that is what we've created. So we could technically be a product differentiator for anyone, for any one of these companies out there. And uh, we might be talking to some of them right now. You never know. <laughs> nice. Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> and so, so to replay that back, what I hear you saying, it makes sense, Eric, is that, um, you know, the, the opportunity is for an artist to, as you put it, have a studio in their pocket with creator to have a space where they can experiment, they can access uh, beats, they can access producers to talent that they wouldn't necessarily otherwise have access to, mm-hmm. hone their craft, create their music, and mm-hmm. and then when they are ready, uh, at at this point that you you describe in the in the in the perhaps near future, uh, be able to you know. Uh, seek distribution through traditional DSPs. And then from the DST, DSP standpoint, um, they are, and I think we're seeing a lot of this happening and a lot of, a lot of uh, journalists writing about it uh, are going to need to go out and start, you know, gobbling up a lot of original content. And obviously that puts you in a, in a great position. You took the words right out of my mouth. Furthermore, we're also putting those, con- those, those new songs on the blockchain via a smart contract. Right. So, so as that as that industry, as the blockchain industry grows in three to five years, and as new companies come out, and as decentralized streaming companies come out, and they try to go after Spotify, not saying they're going to be successful, but they may take up a percentage of the market share. As those companies come out and start to take percentages of market shares from these existing businesses that exist today, um, we'll have the music ready for them to put it right into their platform and to, mm-hmm. and, and for those creators to make money from it. It may not be uh, through a half a penny royalty rate. It may be through a percentage of a percentage of an Ethereum or of a Tune token. Right. Either, either way, there's a value to that. And we want to make sure that all of the musicians in the future get compensated. No matter, no matter what the medium is, we want to make sure that, that those artists are being compensated for their works. Absolutely. Now, does the just to go back to one of your earlier points, does the selling of data by platforms, by Facebook mm-hmm. um, and other platforms, does that create a new revenue stream for creators that you with yes. your app can help them to uh, turn uh, tap into? Yeah. Um, did you say in our app or just blockchain in general? Um, I mean, blockchain in general, but but specifically to your app and the way there's this sort of barter system between Tune Token mm-hmm. and then the selling of of the demographic data, of the marketing data. You know, to 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 me, that sounded like it could create just a whole new revenue stream for musicians, uh, which I think they would be really really interested in. So I just wanted to see if that's something that you think is is a possibility. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and as Sean alluded to earlier, I, I released uh, a music company blockchain comparison chart. And there's actually not like 19, there's 49, I think, companies. Oh, wow. There's, there's one or two more I have to add to the chart. But, you know, that, that was the problem, by the way, is that I was Googling like blockchain music companies just to get an idea of the competition or not even competition, just to get an idea on the space. Because I, I, I love all, all, all these companies are doing, some better than others. But I, 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 there was only like two to five companies that were coming up in every article. And I was like, there's way more than two to five companies trying to solve this problem. And, be- and when I couldn't find a reference to it on the internet, I said, you know what? I'm going to be the reference. So I created, um, created this chart. And, and what you'll notice, uh, you can Google it. It's like music blockchain company comparison chart. And I'll include it in the show notes as well. Appreciate it. Yeah. It's an impartial, unbiased chart. I don't even state my opinions on what I like or don't like. I just put all the companies out there and let the public decide which ones they like. Um, a lot of these companies are, are doing just that. They're, they're rewarding people for, share, for sharing their data. Um, m- more importantly, rewarding people for helping to grow, grow the network effect. So right. if you're passionate about a decentralized platform, there's, um, there's a company called Audius, which hasn't been released yet, but it's been mentioned. There's another company called Tune. There's other decentralized streaming platforms out there, Opus. Um, certainly, we can kind of be considered in that also, although our stream, streaming is not completely our focus. Um, 
yeah, the, these platforms, including ours, are rewarding our, our most passionate fans for coming onto our platform or most passionate users for either A, generating content, or B, discovering and sharing content. And I think it opens up the world of possibilities. And it's not just in the music industry. These are social media networks. There's, there's people in the insurance industry. Like, it, it's just, it, it's, it's, like, it's just, it transcends various industries. But the, I, I always feel like the most passionate users of applications in the traditional sense are music fans. Um, and we, we, we grow other businesses into billion-dollar businesses and with, with little compensation, no compensation, mm-hmm. just social media gratification. Well, and I think that's, I think it may be worth restating, and there are others who could do so far more eloquently than me, but I'll do my best. You know, for our listeners, is one of the revolutionary concepts of cryptocurrency, uh, blockchain uh, as its, again, foundation, is that it contains within it the economic incentive to either do the quote work, uh, or as you say, Matt, to contribute, whether that's your own data. Uh, that is the computational power of, of your computer, your quote mining, uh, whatever the work to be done is, whatever the utility of that network is, it is baked in that there is financial incentive. And so uh, technically or theoretically, you know, the exploitation where, you know, the, the famous phrase is, if the product is free, you are the product, right? Referring to Facebook <laughs> and others. So, so cryptocurrency does away with that and contains within it um, the ability to compensate participants in the network, in the ecosystem, presumably then uh, to have the ability either to hold on to that coin, that token, that cryptocurrency, and you know ride it out as it as it rises and falls. And obviously, there's been a lot of that over the last uh, year in particular. Or to you know cash out, as it were, and convert that to so-called fiat currency, which you know U.S. dollars, yen, whatever it is. But but the point being, I think it's it's so compelling to so many. Uh, because the exploitation goes away. Merely, merely being on that network, participating in that network means you are in some form or fashion compensated. So I think for artists, for others listening, um, you know, this, this does get a little, uh, a little uh, uh, neck bearded to reference, uh, you know, the nerd culture, but, um, <laughs> but, it is, but it's fundamentally interesting, I think, and, and worthwhile in the sense that it, it, it really tackles head on some of the, some of the problems of, of exploitation uh, of creators. And so uh, with, with that, let me, let me pivot a little bit here, Eric, and ask you, given your background as uh, someone in the promotion and marketing of music as an artist manager and now as an entrepreneur, if you sort of put your artist management hat on, what is your position on streaming today and how should artists uh, that are listening to Penny Lane approach streaming as part of their overall marketing and distribution strategy? What's the, what's the two or three tips you would give them as they look at you know, what they should expect, how they should invest, um, and, and what the bigger picture is? From Number one, I absolutely hate, despise the economics behind streaming, um, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll get into that in a little bit. Um, with that, with that being said, um, you can't avoid it, and it has to be uh, next to a radio strategy. Next to your radio strategy, um, there are many people out there that hate radio, um, and, and 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 quite frankly, the hardest thing in the music industry is to get your music played on radio. But it's still the number one way for mu- that music fans discover music. Um, the internet is obviously growing in importance, but the number one strategy for any music manager should be how do I get my songs on radio. Um, which is what I what I've done my whole career, and I'm not saying this um, from from a from a biased standpoint. I'm saying this is this is known fact. It actually just came out like yesterday, uh, or an entire report that said the majority of people discovered content and discovered new music on radio. Number two to, is is to have a streaming platform because um, beyond beyond shows and selling merchandise, which is extremely hard to to achieve unless you have some exposure for your music is getting exposed on these, on these streaming platforms. Um, I, I can, I can get into a little bit of the economics if you want me to, or, or if you want me just to say that you have to focus on getting your songs onto some of the more popular playlists on these various streaming platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, I can leave the answer there or, or, I can well, I think, this, yeah, may, may, sorry. Thank you for that. Eric. May, maybe, yeah. maybe where I, I'm curious to, to, to get your take is, you know, I, we all have friends and colleagues uh, mm-hmm. in the business and artists and producers mm-hmm. and managers. And uh, it seems to me that, that there is a prevailing opinion that, and I don't want to 
to, you know, say streaming should be looked at as a loss leader, but that it is in effect a marketing tool rather than a revenue generator. What, where, where do you sort of fall on that continuum between yes, pursue it to generate real income. Uh, and then the flip side, as you say, is gotta be there, get on the right playlists. And then that fuels other income or revenue streams as an artist. Okay, yeah. Um, number one, I'll admit right now I'm about to go on a serious tangent or multiple tangents. Um, <laughs> Strap in. I got a lot of ways to take this question or, or, or talk about streaming. Um, yeah, no, no, you, you nailed it right on the head. I mean, the streaming platforms and the labels will make you think that you can make money off of streaming, but it's extremely, extremely difficult. To, again, unless you're the top 1% of 1% of artists out there. And even those top 1% of 1% of artists know how bad it is and are screaming for the injustices, specifically like a Taylor Swift, for example. Um, which which we could certainly talk about. Um, yeah, I mean, music music whether it's streaming or not right now, music is a marketing is a marketing tool for you is a marketing gateway. You're not going to make. I mean, look at what happened with us with with Mims. We sold 18 million dollars of, of of physical and digital music, um, and and so saw nothing from it. He got paid shows. He got you know certain certain endorsement deals here and there, but the money that we were bringing in from the music didn't um, sustain di- didn't pay the bills. Um, so music has historically always been, I can't say historically music is a, is a right now music monetization is a marketing tool for selling, for selling you as a brand. So artists have to pay more attention to how they create themselves into a brand. Um, one of the, one of the things that happened to us, for example, is that people recognized our song. They knew this is why I'm hot, but they didn't recognize the artist. And that was a mistake on our part. And, uh, and, and quite frankly, on the label's part, but I represent the artist, so I'll take responsibility for that. But that's a big problem in the music industry is that the song, especially in the streaming, in the streaming world, the songs are becoming bigger than the artists. And if you're a music manager, you have to figure out how to re- how to kind of reverse that or, how, or kind of how to how to match that. How does my song get big so everyone knows the song, but they know what my artist looks like, too. And they know the brand and you have to focus on building the brand because in today's music industry, it's here today, gone tomorrow. You have one big song right. today. Tomorrow you could be gone, and the next song could be on streaming. It's so easy to get distribution right now, and and and, and this is one of this is one of my tangents. You know, back on the day, people were screaming, "There's got to be something different than radio." It's so hard to get on radio. They're playing the same songs over and over and over and over again until your artist is the one on radio. Then you're like, "I love it. This is great." My song is on radio. And, 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 and now what happens? This is that. Now we're, we're in a competition, the stri- everything, whether it's the digital service providers or creators slash managers and labels, everyone's competing for eyeballs and listens, period. Mm-hmm. It's so hard out there. There's so many different ways. I, I, you know, I have an eight-year-old son. He's playing Nintendo DS, Xbox, watching a little TV, although he doesn't even care about TV, listening to the radio. Like he's, he's so all over the place. Like, like I don't know how my, I don't know how my son is going to discover the next Michael Jackson. I don't yeah, know, he, he's the future right. fan, right? He's the future listener or the subscriber. Or... It's, like, it's, like, it's like the three of us on this call. We probably have 10 artists that we can name our 10 favorite artists right now, 10 favorite albums. We could probably sing those 10 albums all the way through. And I don't yep. know if my son's going to be able to do that when he's, right. when he's my age. Because I, I don't, he's, it's, a, it's a here today, gone tomorrow um, um, audience. Well, and let me ask you this, Eric. So, so, and that's terrific. I mean, I think, I think what I take away from that is, uh, again, not an artist, I'm a humble drummer for fun, but not, Mm -hmm. not one out there making money on it. Mm -hmm. And so, but what I take away from that is, is your, your, I think really, uh, a key point about don't let the pursuit of a, of a hit song outstrip your brand, your band's name, notoriety, um, and, and and visibility. And Go ahead. No, I, I don't even. Want, I'm sorry to cut you off. No, please. One of the biggest, I guess, frustrations for me is that artists have to know how to market themselves now. Like, if you're an upcoming artist that's not even signed to a label, you you're on ten different social media networks. You you are like your your own publicist, your own marketer. You're not you're not just in the studio making music anymore. Quite frankly, I hate that. I have, I want my artist. To be, I want I want Ozzy Osbourne to go into a meeting and, and bite the head off of a bat and be a bird and be this crazy and be this crazy batshit rocker. I don't want him to like not go bite. I mean, I don't want him anyone to bite heads off of animals. But yeah. I, 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 this is just a crazy. I, you know, uh, I'll, ins- I, I, I'll also insert that disclaimer in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, please, please, please. I'm very I love animals. <laughs> Um, I want my rockers to be a little bit bad shit crazy, right. no pun intended. I don't want them to go into a meeting and feel like there's 15 different people recording them. It's going to wind up on TMZ and a million different social media networks. But nowadays, these artists are going and they're not 
they're just they're not being themselves. I mean, either they're not being themselves or they're, they're being like so completely fake just to be on social media. Like, just mm. act like if you're a rock star, be a be a rock star, make good music that I can listen to and let the people around you like market you. And this day and age, it's like if you're not an artist who's out there marketing themselves and not relying on somebody else, it's very difficult to succeed, I think, in the music in today's music business. And that kind right. of sucks. In my opinion. Well, let me let me ask you this. Maybe and this is a place to, to kind of round us out. Um, given that you have seen some of the worst of the worst and you've seen, you know, seen highs and lows and, and, and out there clearly with creator and tune token building part of that future that we all want to see, uh, let, let's, let's sort of round out here, Eric, what's your, what's your forecast? You know, let me get you to bring out the crystal ball. Where does streaming go from here and how bullish or bearish are, are you on, on it becoming uh, a real revenue generator for artists for it for it moving from marketing to to a meaningful source of income or not what what's your what's your take on where it goes from here um so number number one streaming platforms are already generating revenue for the record labels mm-hmm. where the real problem is is that the record labels negotiate and this is my economic tangent the record labels negotiate these uh, strategically negotiate um lower fees for their artist royalty rate but negotiate upfront advances for their catalog. So let me layman's terms. Uh, XYZ record company distributor says to Spotify, if you want to license all of my music on your platform, you got to pay me fifty million dollars. And it's actually probably way more than that. And the and the and Spotify or or, or streaming platform has to do it because they can't not leave out some of this great music. So they say, okay, here's here's the uh, here's my upfront advance. And then Spotify, but then Spotify says, but we're going to recoup that against. I'm sorry. Then, then Spotify says, but we also have to pay your artist a royalty rate. And the labels say, well, we're going to negotiate the lowest royalty rate possible for you. So even though you just paid us this $50 million, which we don't have to share with these artists in most typical recording agreements, we don't have to share anything with these artists in most typical recording agreements, we're going to allow you to pay our artists the lowest royalty stream ever. And the labels are happy because then that keeps the artist unrecouped, meaning the artists still owe a debt to the label and will not get a royalty statement unless they're the top 1% of 1% of artists. So let's not kid ourselves. Streaming platforms are making a lot of money for the music industry and for, and for the owners of the master recordings, traditionally uh, a major, a major record label. It's why Spotify isn't profitable to this day. They're paying out uh, 70 to 80% of their profits of, of their gross earnings to the label for a licensing fee. What business can, can, can sustain paying 80%, 70, 80% of their money. It's, it's nuts. So somebody's right. getting 80% of that, and it's the major labels. Major labels are very happy. Furthermore, uh, again, my economic tangent, the labels say, uh, if you want this music, in addition to paying us this big upfront fee to license this catalog, which we're not going to share with the artist, we're going to own a piece of your company. We're going to come take an equity piece in your company. So Spotify, again, they're stuck in a corner. Uh, and I don't want to just pick on Spotify, but they're the 100-pound they're the gorilla, so let's go after them. Spotify, <laughs> uh, Spotify is stuck in the corner. And then they give up a piece of their company to the labels. Now Spotify goes, and this, is, by the way, is what happened. Now Spotify goes public. Um, one of the major labels, you can Google it. I'm not going to say who it is. Sells their shares practically immediately. Shares sells their equity. I think they made like $500 million immediately. Now Spotify scratching their head saying, man, this label that we thought was a good partner with us, we're paying them an upfront advance. They own a piece of our company. They just sold a piece of our company. So now they have no vested interest in us. Now, next year, when they come to negotiate, now next year, when we go to negotiate this upfront advance for their catalog or when our catalog licensing terms expire, because it's not an indefinite term. Mm-hmm. So once we have to renegotiate with XYZ distributor, they're going to come charge us way more money because they have no interest in us. It's like the labels are winning there and they're not sharing that windfall with the artists. Although, uh, I digress. On the equity side of, of the ownership in Spotify, I think the label, specifically Sony, um, and I think Warner made announcements that they will share that windfall with yes. the artist. I'm I'm very 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 skeptical as to how that's going to actually play out. They did um, they did share they did share on the last statement. Both companies did um, as a as an artist or as a um, participant. You don't have any right to check the math. You don't have any right to audit that, but they did include a separate line item on everybody's royalty statements that said, this is your participation in the shares that we just sold. Oh, this is, okay, now I have to interview. So let me ask you, so this is, 
this was Sony or because Warner said they were going to do it, but Warner hasn't sold their stake yet. I don't believe. So Warner. No, they did. It. You said they so, they they at least sold a partial stake because on the last statement, which was June two thousand eighteen, yeah. that uh, we got in October, um, there was a separate line on the Warner statements. Um, and, 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 for so, this. and Sony and Sony has as well. Sony did the same thing. Yep. Sony. Sony must. Sony might have either owned more shares or sold more shares because their payout was uh, the gross. Of their payout was was higher than the Warner one. But um, w- you know, we were included in those payouts. I I have no idea if the if the payouts were representative um, or you know what the math was or what subtractions they took out or any of the major label math. Uh, that went into it, I don't have any clue about, and we'll never have the right to audit that, but they did include everybody in the payout. Let me, let me, this is great. Let me ask you, why do you think that we'll never have the right to audit that? Is it because if we, once we cash that royalty check, it's, it's our acceptance of those royalties and that we basically waive our right to audit, not, not me, but uh, artists out there, or is it, or is it something that most artists can't afford to go audit to figure out if they were like what do you think that reasoning is? I, i'm not i'm not in the weeds oh, okay. on it um it's it's more of an assumption than anything else okay. Okay. artists do have the right to audit record labels per their contract so it's whatever their contract says this being a separate line item mm-hmm. um may not fall under the terms of that contract and that was where my assumption was but i am making an assumption and it's a big one so it's something that that we should look further into but my assumption is that there's not a lot of um there's not a lot of recourse out there there's not a lot of ways out there to actually check the math and to actually see what went into it they they probably they gave us an explanation of the calculation of, of how they came up with the numbers they came up with. And maybe that explanation also substitutes for any right to audit. Um, again, this is just my assumption, but, uh, you know, we, we were included. I, I, I would even add and say that this is one of the good things that the labels have done uh, that I've ever seen, because I don't think that they legally have to, according to their agreements with their artists, have to share in that, in that equity windfall from selling their Spotify share. So, so let me, let me, let me take it back here then, mm-hmm. Eric. It sounds like, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like for good reason, uh, you have reason to believe that um, business will continue as usual. And, mm-hmm. and is it then fair to say that, that uh, Tune Token cryptocurrency blockchain more broadly is the answer to shining light on the dark corners and assuring that more of that money passes on to artists or is there a way forward for sort of the, uh, the, the, the current system uh, where economically uh, uh, fair and balanced for artists or is it, Hey, we need to, we need to tear this thing down and build a new one. With, 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 with blockchain right now and for many, many, many years to come adoption and education are going to be key to its growth or to, or forks for failure and or success. Mm-hmm. And artists want to get paid now. Screw it. I want to get. I want to get paid right now. So we're so we're we're looking to the future, but we're still trying to work with what's what's current and what's in our face. And what's mm-hmm. current and what's in our faces are these amazing streaming platforms. I, I didn't say how much I actually liked the user experience of these platforms and how I haven't spent being in the music industry since I was eighteen. I'm not gonna say how old I am. I haven't spent money <laughs> in, in many, 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 many years. And, and obviously, I got free swag and CDs, and that used to be a great part of the music business. I haven't spent money on music in many, many years because um, I didn't have to. Um, um, not to say I didn't want to, I just didn't have to, and because it was so accessible for me. I spent $10, actually, I spent $20 every month between Spotify and Apple Music because I just love how easy these platforms right. are to use. I have all the music I want at my fingertips. It's great. But to me, right now, it's more of a passive listening experience. I don't get to interact with music. And when you take a look, putting my technology hat on, when you take a look at apps out there like the Smule suite of apps, mm-hmm. um, Auto Rap by Smule, Piano by Smule, Acapella by Smule, and you take a look at one of our competitors, which is Musical.ly, which just got acquired by a Chinese company called TikTok for $800 million because this Chinese company wanted to get the American data and the American audience base. They spent $800 million for this, for this application. Um, these apps are allowing the next generation, the next viral, you know, social media star 
to to be discovered and get a record deal. These kids are experimenting with music, typically in a karaoke, lip syncing, and or dance form. And we want to be the evolution with with TikTok. With TikTok. We want to be the evolution with Creator App to give these kids an opportunity to take their careers to the next level. Um, and in order to do that, if we're a discovery tool, if we want to do deals with record labels, because I, I still love record labels, um, despite how it may sound, um, there's still a value there for them. Um, and 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 um, if we if we want to give kids an opportunity, then we have to work nicely with what's already out there and what's already winning. And Spotify is a great user experience. Apple Music is is, is what I really go is my go to. It's an amazing user experience for me. Um, but again, I think that we fit in because we are an original um, content creation platform. And um, I'm I'm a little bit more. What's the word I'm saying for? I'm, I come from the music side, so I look at things a little bit differently than the average consumer. And I think that there needs to be a little bit more um, uh, pro- progressive uh, enhancements uh, to, to some of these platforms to separate one another. What's what's really different than than these platforms? And and I think that we could potentially be a part of that a part of that enhancement and a part of that solution. Um, but so I guess to, to go around, you know, we need to work with what's going on right now, but still look to the future. One of the problems that, that Mims and I noticed is that none of these record companies, although Cobalt Publishing is a, actually has one, but none of the record companies, one of the publishers, only one publisher, which is Cobalt, actually has a tech team. Like I think maybe 100 people on staff all over the world that actually develop like technology. Most of these other, other I'm not, there's a company out there, a third-party company out there that develops um, the, the royalty platform. For, for the labels, a software solution for the labels that they can compensate their artists based on their strategic accounting. But it's a, it's a software company. <laughs> Strate- the, strategic the accounting. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, I, I can go on about that. Over strategic accounting uh, is, is gold. Yeah, yeah I, I use that when I pitch. Um, not to offend <laughs> too many. Not to offend too many. The record labels don't have their own in-house developers developing their royalty accounting software, for example. They're hiring outsourcing. The record labels don't own Musically or TikTok, they're licensing their their music to Musically or TikTok. The labels don't own Apple Music or Spotify; they're licensing their music. Why can't these labels own their own shit? So Mims and I are like, if the labels are going to own their own shit, we're going to create it, and they're going to buy it. They're going to buy that shit from us, and because we come from the music industry, and we we face so many problems that we know that we could fix a few of those problems, and we're not the only ones who face these problems. So um, we're we're we and other companies in the blockchain space are building our our are being the my other fighting you're called, fighting the good fight yeah i mean my, my, my other my other my other co-founder is a little crazy he says it's the you know the the department of cool because these record labels aren't cool anymore no one's buying, <laughs> no one's buying music because they're on like sony or universal these like they're, they're not they used to when i was younger they used to be cool man i would wear a sony music jacket and be happy now i wouldn't be Hell yeah. dead in a sony music jacket i used to work for sony well, Matt's a Matt's a punk rock guy, so he definitely gets what you're saying. Yeah, there's nothing cool about it. Those punk rock bands, they don't they don't even want to tell people they're on a label. They're like, nah, man, it's, we sell our own merch. We sleep in our own, you know, wear the same underwear three days in a row. <laughs> it's true. We're we're missing the we're missing that time that was the birth of MTV as well. That was an exceedingly cool time, and um, you know, we haven't. What we haven't figured out, and one thing that I'm looking to the next generation of streaming for is how do we make it feel like that again? Um, you know, how do our kids get that experience of 120 minutes or any of those original slew of music discovery shows on MTV? It was that was my era. That's what I grew up under, and it was absolutely electric. And um, I, I think there's got to be something in this new matrix that. That, that creates that for kids. I don't know exactly what it is yet, but um, I'm looking I, forward to seeing it. L- let me tell you something, man. I don't know because, you know, when I was younger, the art was more important than the commerce. Now, these young, these young artists or artists in general are looking at, well, how do I make money from this? It's no longer about the art for most of these kids. And, and, and I feel like the legacy artists for the next generation of, of music fans, for my, for my eight-year-old son, it's going to be those artists that, Take it back to the old school. Take it back to our day where right. like, the art is the most important and damned if you like me or damned if you don't. But I'm going to find an audience who's going to like my music and I'm going to be the next big, I'm going to be uh, Iggy Pop, right? I mean, like, right. like, I, I, like 
I'm I'm a hip hop dude, but I love rock music and alternative music. Certain certain bands, like who the hell's the next Metallica out there? I, I, like, how hard is it for the next Metallica to be discovered? It, very difficult, in my opinion. And um, right, yeah, man. And, and and by the way, those those um those outlets for the next Metallica to be discovered or heard, I I think it's shrinking. Like, I mean, you mentioned MTV. Like, I mean, I think that these outlets are shrinking out there. It's not really a good thing, but quite frankly, I don't think we're going back to that day. So how do we, how do we now evolve? Uh, well, I'm hoping it's a, it's, it's a, the, the evolution occurs through this blockchain technology, which is quite frankly, uh, the, the early stages of the internet um, 2.0 in my opinion. agreed. And, and I think, yep, you know, absolutely. Eric, Eric, thanks so much for spending the time with us, sharing your insights and your experiences. I think this is going to be fantastic for our listeners who we hope will let us know. And, uh, for those who want to follow creator tune, uh, and you, Eric, where can they connect with you and your companies online? Oh, excellent. First of all, I'm, there's at least eight ways to get a hold of me directly. I'm not, I'm not an <laughs> what, what's your go-to extremely outspoken. Um, uh, Creator app, so C R E uh, eight number eight, so C R E eight T O R dot app. Super uh, is where you can download the app, learn more about me. I think my contact or email is right up there. Um, man, Google Eric Mendelson E R I K M E N D E L S O N. There's a million ways to get a hold of me, literally directly. You probably find my cell phone out there somehow. And um, <laughs> if you want to talk to me about anything or contact me, I'm a pretty open book. Fantastic. Well, Eric, thanks again so much. We wish you all the best. We hope you're enjoying the weather in Miami because it's a little chilly up here. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again very soon. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of Penny Lane. If you enjoyed it, and we hope you did, you can leave us a five-star rating and tell a friend to support more great conversations and episodes. If you have feedback, suggestions, or just want to say hello, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us on Twitter at TrueStreamCo, that's at T-R-U-S-T-R-E-A-M-C-O, or send email to podcast at TrueStream.co.